Good morning and welcome to episode two of Yogi Breakfast Club. I hope that you're all well on this Monday morning and you've had an amazing week. Today we sit down with Nina and Nina is a postnatal coach and a doula. I first met Nina a few years ago whenever our children started school together. And soon after, I realized that Nina was a doula. I had no idea what one was. And as soon as I found out, I wished I'd known sooner. So I thought it would be great to do an episode with Nina and start to get to know some more about the postnatal world and ways in which we can all support women going through the process of finding themselves after birth. Nina is very clear that she helps women to heal after birth and I just thought it was a really amazing and interesting take on the whole getting back to fitness after birth. So we plan to hopefully do more episodes together so we get to delve a bit more into the postnatal world but for now I'll hand over to the episode and I hope you enjoy. A quick word first about our sponsor for the series. A huge thank you to our sponsor of this series, Fantai. I'm currently sitting on my mat and I've enjoyed my practice on it this week. I'm really pleased with the grip that the mat provides and the color is just gorgeous. So I'll share a code of you at the end of the show and you'll be able to go over to their website and use that code for 20% off any mat. On with the show. Hi Nina, welcome to um, episode two of Yogi Breakfast Club. Thank you for joining me today. No problem. We have done a yoga class with each other this morning. Yes, we have. (laughs) So you joined in on my yoga lesson this morning, so you're all stretched out and... Yeah, chilled and and ready for, well, not ready for action actually, I'm too chilled, need to wake up a little bit. (laughs) But Sunday, you're allowed to be like that. Yeah, that's very true. (laughs) So we are going to be talking lots today about postnatal things, postnatal exercise, uh, and also going into a bit of pregnancy uh, issues as well. So to begin with, as I haven't seen you in person for a while, um, how are you dealing with this lockdown? How are you doing? Do you know what? I'm actually doing all right. I've had my moments, obviously, probably like everybody else. But for me, it's really kind of made me just slow down and take stock, um, realise that my life's actually a little bit insane, mm-hmm. a little bit too crazy. Um, haven't needed to be doing half the things that I've put myself under pressure to do. Um, as it's, Obviously, it's been horrible not being able to see family and, you know, have those usual contacts. Um, but all in all, it's done me a massive favour. Mm. It's really slowed. It really has. It's really slowed everybody down, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, my life is so hectic, so crazy, and so completely unnecessary. So there's some, there's a lot of positives that I'll be taking forward out of this. That's for sure. I think there'll be lots of things that we were forced into with many of us, and they'll stick now. We wouldn't have necessarily pulled back from a lot of things beforehand or um, there's all different changes that I think a lot of people will now keep. Definitely. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. So it's been quite refreshing. I think there's there's obviously lots of um, 
bad things to do with it, which go without saying. But yeah. look on the brighter side. And through this time, through lockdown, is there anything that you think has really helped you manage um, the whole change? What has helped you deal with the change? Anything in particular? The first two weeks were crazy. I was trying to work. I was trying to teach the kids. I was trying to feed everybody on time, you know, Mm. like keep the house going. And I thought, wow, I'm not going to be able to do three months of this. I'm going to have to just sit back and and pick out the things that are important, let the other things go and get some form of timetable going in my life. Um, I'm quite a structured person. I I do need to know what my plan is for that day. That keeps me sane-ish little bit um <laughs> so there were certain things that were important for me to be able to do each day one of them was to have at least half an hour of exercise of some description by myself um so I made three o'clock that time I can't exercise in the morning I'm useless in the morning cannot I do not do mornings um so that was lovely because obviously without having to do the school run, you've got the flexibility to, you know, chill out a little bit more and to take your time. So, yeah, I had to timetable. I had to realise that I I can't do the multitasking of homeschooling and work at the same time. Separate the two, um, half an hour each. With my, I've got two boys to separate them. They ca- I can't school them both together either. <laughs> so oh half an hour with one, half an hour with the other. Do some work have some lunch, bring it back to the homeschooling, a little bit more work. And then I clear off and go and have at least half an hour to myself. Um, And just knowing that whatever happened at three o'clock, everybody left me alone and off I went and did what I wanted to do. Whether that was a walk, a bike ride, have a proper workout, you know, whatever. Three o'clock was my time. Then that fitted in quite nicely with finishing, you know, get dinner ready and ease into the evening just quite a good time when you think about it yeah I I had to have a timetable that's what's kept me sane yeah I like the three o'clock idea of then you go out the schooling is done yeah go out you come back and you know then you can get on with dinner the evening yeah nothing's rushed nothing's running into each other it's not so manic um yeah it's all about the timetable that's for sure I think that that's one thing that funny enough that you said that Today, I'm sitting down and I'm writing myself a timetable for this week. There'll be certain things that will stay on that timetable, um, classes I teach, classes I want to participate in myself. um, And I'm going to set my time where I work on my different projects that I'm working on, work, my normal job, um, my, you know, homeschooling time and I'm going to set myself a timetable as well because I do think that that's one thing that is needed with me um is what you've explained there I need to know that at this time I'm doing this at this time I'm doing that and set myself ready for the week and then I know you've got so sometimes I mean I don't know what you're like but I work better when I'm a bit under pressure so you know if I've left something to the last minute then I can get it done really well because I know it's got to be done by that time. Yeah. Whereas I feel like at the moment where we don't always have those deadlines at the moment, things are spiraling into other days. Yeah. I need to pull it back a bit. Yeah, definitely. And I think that will also allow for the free time to be more enjoyable because then you know you've got it all done. 
yeah exactly yeah because you tend to put off you know maybe spending some time with the kids or something like that because you're still feeling like oh I've got to get this done I've got to get this done but even that even the time with the kids needs to be timetabled in that is a priority you've got to get that in there yeah it's not easy it's really not easy but I do believe in a timetable yeah, I think um, it's really funny that you said that because I thought last night my diary is literally in front of me now where I got it out because there's certain workshops and things that I want to participate in. And I thought, yeah. I'm going to get my diary. I'm going to look and set myself my timetable and get that structure back in my life. Yeah. Because it's nice to let go of it, but it's also mm. quite nice to have it. Yeah, definitely. You still need to feel like you're achieving. Yeah, exactly. And hopefully you know everybody's achieving their own small goals big goals whatever it is while they've got this this situation in their life Mm. so shall we have a chat about postnatal um things all things postnatal so please let's do this it's my passion your passion this is your passion (laughs) yeah this this is what feeds my soul absolutely feeds my soul I have a I have many jobs <laughs> the main the main bill paying job is dull boring and uninteresting and very much drains my soul <laughs> but I've been doing it for 17 years it's this it's it's private private housing estate management really dull um and yeah like I say it just drains my soul it's a lot of people moaning about their neighbors and uh, it's just you know not not what I'm about um whereas the postnatal stuff and and now moving more into the pregnancy stuff really fills my soul back up so I'm 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 getting that balance oh <laughs> it's always it's always being topped up um yeah I mean it's fun it's interesting actually because I'm not not sort of mother earth by a long shot and before I even had kids of my own I just really wasn't interested didn't get it didn't I was like oh whatever well you know you've had kids that's you've just got to deal with it get on with it it's part of being a parent whatever the moan of the moment might be um and then I then I fell pregnant with my first son who's now nine um was lucky enough to have a brilliant pregnancy no issues whatsoever um sowed through loved it for the first time in my life ate whatever the hell I wanted you know just thought sod it I'm gonna sit back and enjoy it um I ended up he was late two weeks overdue so um I ended up being induced I hadn't really educated myself about I mean I knew I knew I had to give birth (laughs) I didn't really I didn't really educate myself on the birthing process and I'll talk about more of that in a moment but you know, just thought it's something that you, you go into labour, you have a baby, end of. There wasn't really too much in between those things. Um, anyway, ended up being induced, which, which was fine. I mean, it wasn't fine. It's hideous. You know, it was birth. Yeah. Awful. Um, but ended up with a perfectly healthy, gorgeous little boy. And everything was relatively easy from the moment he arrived. We we breastfed for a year with no problem. Um, I went through all the usual, God, I'm tired. This child won't sleep. How can I get my kid to sleep? It's all about sleep, 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 isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but having him introduced me to the world of women who have had babies and all the advice that gets thrown at you and, um, you know, the the pressures of, um, well, I did it this way. Oh, if you can't get him to sleep, then don't pick him up. Just let him cry. You know, all the 
all the things, all the advice that gets thrown your way to the point where you're like (gasps) overwhelmed. You don't know what you're doing wrong or right in the end. Um, But thankfully, I'm quite strong minded. And I was like, I'm just going to do what feels right to me. And I just cracked on through it. And you know, he slept in the bed with me. He's nine years old. He's certainly not still sleeping in the bed with me. But you know what? If you choose to have your nine-year-old still sleeping in the bed with you, who gives a shit? Excuse my French, but who cares? That's that's your prerogative. That's your choice. It's nobody's business. And that is very much my ethos through uh, trying to work with postnatal women. There is no judgment. And that that is the place that I come from, just an absolute place of no judgment. You know, who says somebody else knows more than you when it comes to your own child? It's just, it's ridiculous. Because they don't, do they? So, no, no, they don't. And, you know, I, I so, I, so I'm a doula. I, I doula, I, I'm with women through their births. And the reason why I chose to do that was because speaking to all these women, listening to their different birth stories, and hearing how actually they were quite traumatic and there was a lot of leftover emotional baggage with them following the birth of their child, which had a knock-on effect to how they bonded, um, their anxieties, you know, am I doing this right? Um, Can't breastfeed, I haven't got enough milk, you know, all, all the usual things that you hear. And I just wanted to be that person that was there for that woman going do you know what you're doing a great job it's fine if you are anxious about something let me hold your hand let me help you to get some balanced arguments for and against and you can make up your own mind uh, you know research-based proper information not just my friend said I should do it this way um, and I love it I love that part I mean nothing beats seeing this baby arrive um I cry every time no matter how many births I've been to I get so emotional because it is an amazing thing um so yeah that kind of drives my passion is just just being there for that woman and saying you're all right you're fine let's let's do it together you're you're all right you know you haven't got to listen to anybody let's help you make your own decisions for yourself for your own set of circumstances it's so amazing. I, I think I said to you in the past, um, I wish I'd known you when I had mine. Um, not so much with Belle. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would have loved you with both. Um, I, <laughs> with um, my first, I, I was okay. I was induced and the inducing process was awful because at that point you just got left on your own. So you were induced, everyone had to leave you, no one could stay with you. Mm -hmm. And I went into labour quite quickly. Um, The midwives didn't believe that I was actually in labour. I was. um, And I was on a ward with other women who had all given birth. So they were all in their beds with their children and I knew they needed sleep because they've just given birth. So I had a pillow over my face um trying to keep myself quiet so that I wasn't disturbing them but with no one around me and you kind of go into an in and out days don't you when you're in labor because I don't know if it's a a kind of coping mechanism that your body does but it Mm. I, I was coming in and out and and then finally you know um my partner 
who's now my husband, could then come back and be with me. And, and he made it, it was snowing, and he made it, I think, in under an hour before uh, she came out. Yeah, <laughs> so wow. That's the way of putting it, before she came out. But um, with my second, it was a completely different story, which I won't go into all the ins and outs of it. But, wow, I needed a doula. And I didn't yeah. even know that they existed. No. What that experience now, the whole process um, has still stuck with me now um, mm. that I struggle even now still um, when I, I've got a bit better. Whenever people are having their new babies, it brings it back. I think it's things come back a bit and, and you feel yeah. that, you know, that feeling um back of how what a struggle um it kind of was yeah and I just wish I'd I'd known that doulas existed yeah I just wish I knew you could you having a doula with you may not have changed the way you birthed you may have still birthed in exactly the same way but a good doula should be able to turn whatever experience, whatever you're experiencing into a positive thing by giving you the information to help you to understand why, why what is happening to you is happening. The choices that you have in those circumstances and letting you be in control of that. Mm. So, you know, we all you know, probably ideally want to sit in a beautiful warm pool of water and just push once and out comes this perfect baby but that's not going to happen for a lot of people and you know if you've got your mind set on that is what I want and that doesn't happen for you it can really really turn into a negative experience but a doula will support you help you to understand why that's not possible um, and still give you options through that time frame yeah and it's through the through the understanding that ends up you you come out of it the other end going well you know I understand why this was happening to me and why it was necessary necessary to end up in a c-section or whatever it may be you know it just helps to turn the experience into a more positive thing and knowing that there is someone by your side advocating for you making the process just slow a little bit you know just just take your time please make some explanations please explain what other options there are what happens actually if you just do nothing for a while? You know, what's what's the rush? Let's let's understand the process. Um, yeah, it can make a massive difference. Massive difference. Yeah, I mean, I like I I know how fortunate you know I've been. The the actual births themselves, the second birth was more painful than the first, but then he was bigger. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they normally are. Oh yeah, seven yeah. seven two with the first and eight ten with the second. Um, so that's why I think you know. But I think as well where I needed, um, I've re- I only now look back and think I, I I needed a doula. Where I needed a doula, I think the pain would have felt less if I'd had it yeah. because psychologically, yeah. Um, I, I was I was kind of built up too too high I needed someone yeah. just to bring me down a bit but I mean yeah. the births, you know they went you know reasonably smoothly it's it was just I I only now realize I needed the doula and just how amazing that is that you do all of that and how many births but, now have you done oh god have you done? don't know I've <laughs> been, been doing it for six years and I've sort of I average about eight births a year eight or nine a year <gasps> 
Wow. I can't do maths. Don't ask me to do maths. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I've been I've done a lot. I've supported a lot of different types of births. Um, but I find that the majority of births that I do attend are people who don't have their families immediately close by. Um, so you know they want the doula there, or the husband's actually going to stay at home with kids because they haven't got childcare, and you know mum's going to come and birth with me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, whole mixture of births about everything from C sections to the wonderful water births to um, I've had some hilarious ones. I, I, you know, we had all day. I'd, I'd tell you all about it, but it's great. But it, the, the whole ethos behind my birth is just just continuity of carer, which is something that um, the NHS is working on now as their new uh, maternity transformation plan is having a continuity of carer. So basically, you have your midwife from all your antenatal sessions all the way through to the birth to postnatal, um, which is amazing. Wow. It's it's a team. So you, you normally sort of have about three people that you'll come across, um, but you should have one of those three people with you at the birth. Um, and again, antenatally, uh, it's a huge transformation that's happening in the maternity system at the moment. Um, I work very closely with Tunbridge Wells Hospital Maidstone Birth Centre and Cobra Birthing Centre as um, a chair of Maternity Voices Partnership. So effectively, I'm like a midline between the clinical staff and the users, so the people that have used the service. Um, so any changes that the hospital or the birthing centres are making comes through me to liaise with user reps to find out their feelings, their feedback, which then goes back up the line to the clinical staff for them to just adapt their guidelines accordingly the use of appropriate language you know all, all that sort of stuff is 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 a big thing at a, at a client that was terrified of giving birth absolutely so anxious it was unbelievable she was so scared and she went to her scan and the sonographer went my god your baby's massive <laughs> oh no so can you imagine oh, no. this poor anxiety-ridden lady who now thinks she's going to give birth to a monster and there's only one way out. <laughs> yeah. And it, and they were so wrong. Baby was perfectly a normal average size. Um, so, you know, things like that, we're, we're trying to slowly, slowly change. So um, that's amazing. Yeah. And I had no idea that you you sat on a panel like that and you yeah. helped yeah. change. Yeah. Like I say, my life's hectic. <laughs> Wow. But it's my passion. So it doesn't feel like I'm constantly on the go. I'm actually just doing stuff that I enjoy doing. So kind of going back to that continuity of carer thing, my the way I'm trying to shape my business is that you will um, come and see me because you want to keep well and healthy through your pregnancy. Um, and then I will be with you for your birth. And then I will be with you in the immediate postnatal period. So uh, there's, you know, everybody asks actually when you go and be interviewed. So you, as a doula, you get interviewed by your prospective clients because it's very much a, a thick. You know, you've got to feel comfortable with that person who's going to be with you at your most intimate moment. Um, so if the personality fits not right, and I, I have actually said no to clients because I thought I'm not the right person for them, um, and vice versa. Um, so. You yeah so you you're at an interview and the the one the most common question you get asked is so at what point do you go like I've given birth but at what point do you go right baby's out I'm off <laughs> and 
my answer, and it will be different for every doula, is there is there is no time that I just go, I'm off. You know, I, I stay until I think, right, for now, I've done all that I can. You're sitting up in bed, you're feeding your baby, whichever way you choose, you know, you're comfortable, you've had a wash, all those things, and you're now calming down from it all and you're ready to have a sleep, most likely. And at that point, I think, right, I'm off. But that will depend, you know, obviously we'll have the conversation and, you know, if there's anything you want me to stay for. Um, normally do a bit of a clean up if there's a pool being used, I'll empty the pool and get all that packed away and stuff like that for so they come down the next day and everything's ready for them to just chill and not have to do anything. Um but yeah, so this 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 whole story ends with you have your six week checkup, which is now mandatory. It's, it's something that uh, the NHS are making sure happens for every woman as you have your six week postnatal check because they weren't happening. And when they were happening, they were absolutely awful. You were basically asked, um, "Have you got any suicidal thoughts? Do you, you know you you how are you feeling? Have you got any?" Um, any feelings of harm towards your child um no okay brilliant off you go and that was that was pretty much the sum of the six-week check yeah I remember not even have my body didn't get checked exactly how is that right it's insane it's, it's mental. okay you, you can go off and exercise now because that's what I actually waited for I waited to know that I could go and exercise after my six-week yeah. check and I, I waited for this six-week check thinking it was going to yeah. be this moment of you know, I've got to six weeks. I've done six weeks now of, of being yeah. a mum, you know, and I mean, I've got a lifetime to go. But on this six week check, I am allowed some time to myself to exercise, even if the baby's yeah. in the in the um, Moses basket, I can still yeah. exercise. I remember mm. going in thinking, oh, is that it? You just asked me, I think, I think I got asked five questions or something and it was like okay yeah. that's it and I remember thinking yeah. really you don't even check my body that no I'm okay so, exactly and there is such a lack of education given to women around the postnatal period and the changes that your body has been through that women don't even know what they're looking for they wouldn't have a clue you know separated abdominals which is diastasis recti Obviously, everybody, every, the only thing everybody does know about is pelvic floor weakness. Right. So now I sneeze and I pee myself. Great. You know, <laughs> I can't run after my kid when it's five because I'm just going to wet myself. You know, <laughs> it's like that is that is what women do know about. Yeah. Um, but who tells them how to fix it? The doctor says, oh, you better do some Kegels, which are completely not functional um who you know when so god that's it oh how deep do you want to go I could go Let's <laughs> I go. could be go here all this. day how long is this gonna last for so essentially the point that I'm trying to get to is you have your six-week check which is apparently this ma this magic number where every single woman no matter how they have birthed is ready for exercise at six weeks um which is in itself is just a load of rubbish so the six-week check needs to be better um, they need to check your abdominals. You need to go and see a woman's health physio, which is a specialist in women's health. And people don't even know that they exist. And the doctors don't even know they exist. And the doctors do not refer you on because of that reason. So educating my women is key. That's, you know, I take you in a, in a massive hug and say, right, I'm with you on this whole journey. I'm going to educate you on when you go for your six week check, you want them to 
check your abdominals, check your pelvic floor um, and refer you on if you've got any issues. Not just turn around to you and say, do some Kegels, which is literally just squeezing your pelvic floor and that is it. Now, that's not functional. You need to be able to hold your pelvic floor in place, which has a knock-on effect to your to your bladder. Um, when you are jumping, running, pushing, lifting, whatever, and no amount of standing still and using your pelvic floor muscles is going to help you with that. So I would take you on this postnatal fitness journey from day one, which might not be at six weeks because you might not be ready for it at six weeks, um, through to getting you functionally fit again to join the, the, the rest of the exercising population in whatever that might be that you want to do, whether it's tennis, running, um, you know, hip classes, whatever. Yeah, because we work with the pelvic floor muscles in yoga. Yeah. So it's quite interesting to hear your take on it as yeah. to how you see it. Yeah. Um, well, it, at the beginning of your sessions, when we lay on the floor and we do the breathing and we incorporate the pelvic floor, is brilliant because it's working with the breath and what what people don't realize is that your pelvic floor muscles and your diaphragm work in tandem they they lift and they fall at exactly the same time so for you when we're um, exhaling and lifting the pelvic floor is perfect that's the perfect combination the, the first rule of exercising a postnatal body is exhale on exertion so you know, if you were to do your bicep curl in the traditional world, when you lift up, you would exhale at the same time you would lift and squeeze your pelvic floor. Yeah. But the way, the, the way I come from it is, is that we I need to teach my women to be able to engage their pelvic floor muscles when they're squatting, when they're lunging and when they're doing those everyday movements that happen in everyday life, getting up off the sofa, you know, all that, you know, reaching for stuff out the cupboard. All of that stuff, you need to be able to engage your pelvic floor muscles and keep them um, toned, um, which has a knock-on effect to your continence. Um, but there's no point in doing that if you've got a massive stomach gap. If no. you're if you've got a, a diastasis, uh, that needs to be that needs to be healed. A huge thank you to our sponsor of this series, Fantai. I'm currently sitting on my mat and I've enjoyed my practice on it this week. I'm really pleased with the grip that the mat provides and the color is just gorgeous. So I'll share a code of you at the end of the show and you'll be able to go over to their website and use that code for 20% off any mats. On with the show. <laughs> I love how you know you know you've delved into all of this do you know the point that actually drew you towards all of this like what why do you know why you have this as a passion something happened or that you saw something yeah that you there, saw? yeah there's a there's a couple of points um so I I do breastfeeding peer support as well so I support I, you know I can support women through their breastfeeding journey and I've got referrals on to lactation consultants and things that are more you know more detailed um but actually, my next door neighbour, she really struggled with breastfeeding um, before I was really doing this. So it was before I was really doing the breastfeeding side of things. Um, and I remember thinking, oh, my God, I successfully have breastfed two children for a year with no problems. 
and I can't help this woman. Like, I can't offer any kind of other than comfort and, you know, let's try and get you some help. There was nothing practical that I could do for her. Um, And it was obvious that when women are struggling, they want help now. They don't want to wait for a referral. Um, By that time, you know, you're, you're not able to breastfeed in between because it's so bloody painful or whatever the problem is you might be having. And so you're topping up with formula and then your milk supply is going down and you're stuck in this vicious cycle. Um, So that was a big trigger for me. I thought I really want to be able to help women right now when they need it. So my clients are, they're at the end of my phone whenever they need me. And I've still got clients that I, my very first person that um, I helped had twins. <laughs> I threw myself right in the deep end and went to a twin birth. Uh, my God, that was that was a crazy twenty four hours. Um, <laughs> and she she knows that she can still pick up the phone to me now and ask me any questions. And that that is that's the same for everybody. And they all have done at some point. Gone. I've spoken to you for a year, but this weird thing's going on. I just want to know. You know, and they know that I'll always be able to signpost them or chat to them or do they've just got someone that they can have a brain dump on. And then actually in having that conversation, they've worked it out for themselves and they just go away and get on with it. Um, but, yeah, so so that was quite a big trigger in terms of um, wanting to be able to help and not being able to help. What I, So I then educated myself to have the tools to be able to help these people with whatever problem that they're having the breastfeeding um at the same time that I had my son my sister was pregnant with her first child and she ended up with an enormous (laughs) sorry I'm laughing because she'll be going oh cheers Nina she ended up with an enormous stomach gap um she won't mind me talking about it but she will laugh because I've got to take the mickey out of her a little bit that's what we do like Um, a sister's that's your job (laughs) yeah it's part of the job of being a sister so yeah, she had this enormous tummy gap and um, she wasn't really getting much help. She was sort of left floundering a little bit. And she's in California in, in the height of private healthcare who should be getting, you know, gold standard flipping service. Yeah. And actually it was, why don't you have an operation and things like that? Um, and I, it's the first time I'd ever heard of diastasis. Never, I'd never heard of it. So I started to research and to look it up and thought, oh, God, I really want to learn a bit more about that. And then I found this amazing woman who, as far as I'm concerned, she's queen of all things pregnancy and postnatal. And her name is Jenny Burrell. Not to, not to name drop or advertise. Well, um, but she, uh, her up. She, she has a, um, an education. It's called Burrell Education. And, yeah, she's amazing. I've pretty much worked my way through every single one of her courses because I've just got a thirst for her knowledge. It's amazing. It makes so much sense. It's like a light bulb's gone on and I'm like, wow, I want to know all of that stuff. She's great. Um, so she talks about, she go, so when you become a fitness instructor, I've been a fitness instructor for like 25 years um, and, and never really delved into the pregnancy and postnatal world until having kids. But I did do my um, YMCA pre and postnatal course, aged 19, 20. Um, so I thought I knew everything there was to know about it because I'd got my certificate. Yay. And off I went. 
thankfully, I didn't really do much with the pregnancy and postnatal world at the time because, quite frankly, the information that I was given was shocking. It was more about keeping yourself as an instructor uh, liability free, not doing anything that's going to put that person into a at risk situation. Um, not about how to heal and keeping yourself healed. And that is what Jenny teaches you. She says, okay, let's look at the practicalities of a postnatal body with diastasis in mind. Your body, obviously, your rib cage lifts to allow for the baby, your yeah. um, your linear alba down the center of your abdominals actually lengthens apart to allow for the expansion of your belly for the baby to grow. And then in terms of soft tissue, after baby arrives, you can still be very much left in that position, even after six or 12 weeks where you have, you, you've been for nine months, you've been in this expanded position. Your um, skin, your flesh can have adhesions in it, which kind of keeps your abdominals apart in that position, especially through your intercostals. So, so through your ribs, through your, through your um, abdominals there, yeah. your oblique. Um, so that's when soft tissue comes, soft tissue massage comes into play. You know, you need someone to get their hands on you to free up these adhesions and doing that alone can just bring those stomach muscles back together, which allows you to then start working on strengthening and getting some tension back through that midline. There's absolutely no point in starting to work on core when you're still open and you're stuck in that open position. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. I mean So then I became a sports massage therapist. <laughs> you were it's like fully like... booked before this. Um I remember you were saying to me how busy you you just got before all of yeah. this lockdown had started. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's a real shame because obviously you can't do hands-on work at the moment. But there are there there are things you can do via video link with um um foam rollers and things like that to guide people through uh, releases for themselves which is great because that's education and that's what I'm all about is giving women education to look after themselves they can't be reliant on paying fees to other people to keep them safe and well they have to be self-educated and self-reliant rather than you know relying on people like me and that that's you know that's it's unfortunate that people that they are naturally referred to i.e gps and physios and things like that um don't take that stance no I know it's it's a it's a wheel of keep going in yeah pay for more go yeah and and let's also face it you know lots of women who've just had babies they can't do that no nappies milk Mm -hmm. you know there's all of these things um I don't think I I don't think I actually really bought myself anything really new when my first was born, I think a lot of it, you, you almost, I, I, I know I did. I went into this whole thing of it's all about the baby. It's nothing mm. is about me. So I didn't, yeah. buy, I did, I had, n- nothing was about me. You know, I didn't mm. buy anything for myself. I just, yeah. everything I did was for the, for the baby. Um, yeah. And I don't, that's not a bad thing because that shows love and shows your commitment, you know, to your child. But there is, it is nice to be able to do things for yourself, but to, also feel that you are paying out for something for yourself can feel quite uncomfortable to feel yeah. that you've got yeah, to a guilt. keep doing that. Yeah, it's a guilt feeling. But but that's an outside pressure. 
and um, it's a pressure that we put on ourselves. And I think just having that person with you to go, sod it, who cares? Yeah, you spend some money on yourself, spend some time on yourself. It's your own mental health that we're talking about. Yeah. And if you as a mother aren't in a good frame of mind, that's going to have a knock-on effect. So that's, you know, that's another thing a doula does. Just takes the baby, lets you go and have a bath, you know, go and have a walk, do what you need to do. Um, or, you know, look after baby so you can go and spend some time with your with your other children that you're feeling guilt over that it's yeah. all of a sudden you've transitioned onto having all this time with the newborn. Um, yeah, doulas rock. <laughs> oh, you really do. And you give people the tools, like you're saying, instead of continuously going to people that are doing things for you, you know, yeah. you know, with issues and yeah. you're paying that constant money for that, you're actually giving women the tools yeah, they they don't need to keep having to pay out. You know, it's yeah, it's not exactly. they can, they can learn. They can take the tools for themselves, and you're there when they need you. Not- yeah, and in turn, they're obviously going to be in the circle of friends that are still having babies, and they can actually impart good information onto their friends. That you know, when they have those moments where they're just going oh my god this is terrible why did I ever decide to become a parent it's the worst choice I've ever made in my life which we've I don't care what you say we have all gone what the hell have we done or we all <laughs> life feel was so much that... easier when I was in the park yeah. drinking cider <laughs> with my mates <laughs> always like we feel that we're not good enough that we're not doing good enough that yeah you know, I remember there's times that I thought I'm the worst mum. I mean, I still get it now. It's mum yeah. guilt. I say, say to my friends, because lots of my um, lots of my closest friends had children quite long after me. So probably mm. they started a good eight years after me. So mm. one thing I said is that you're just going to get a load of guilt delivered to you and worry. Yeah. Guilt and worry, when I was lying yeah. on that hospital bed, is what happened to me. Yeah. Um, and... I had I've had so many moments of feeling that I'm not a good enough mum, that I'm mm. not doing things well enough. That you yeah. know, even in this lockdown, seeing all of these mums doing all of these amazing homeschooling things and, and posting them all over social media. Yeah, and I have not done any of that. I've not yeah, done any of it. Neither have I. I, I haven't. Um, and I feel like, you know, I could go into the whole thing. I mean, I've had moments where I think, oh, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not. I don't know. I'm not painting rainbows out of something and I'm not doing these amazing science experiments. What's mm-hmm. wrong with me? Why am I not finding time to do this for my children? But then I have to, I suppose, realise the things that I am doing that I'm that's helping them. And yeah, and also that your set of circumstances are completely different to the next person's. Yeah. You know, who those parents, are they working full time? Yeah. You know, are they are they trying to are they trying to juggle 10 million things but like we are have their no. own moments every mum of those those parents they'll have their own moments where they'll see something else and then they'll feel guilty um and mm-hmm. as a mum we just get given that don't we and yeah. to have you as a support would you know a doula in general as a support it yeah. just sounds uh, everybody it, it's just like having your mate you know your mate that can be real and honest and there's you know, there's different doulas for every different every type of person, and I, and I think some doulas have a reputation of being, um, you know, very mother earthish. It's all got to be about natural. Uh, it's got to be about breastfeeding. It's got to be about breathing your baby out in a pool. Um, you know, very hands off. Um, and 
you know, yeah, you'll find that there are there are dealers certainly that are out there that are like that. Um, I try and pitch myself to being a doula that just fits your your common average everyday person. You know, yeah, who just who just wants to muddle through and have someone by them by their side to help them um, with you know what whatever whichever doula you choose that doula will never have judgment but there certainly are doulas that are slightly biased one side of the fence you know um so you know my advice to anybody that is thinking about having a doula would be to always talk to at least three um because they'll all be completely different and one of them will stand out because of something they've said or just a feeling you know it's that gut feeling um and if you don't get that gut feeling, then then keep going until you find it. Where would people look? Where would be the first, what would be the first step to find okay. a doula? Um, so there's, uh, a, I want to call it a governing body, but it's not really a governing body. It's it, They're called Doula UK. And um, when you choose a doula that is signed up with Doula UK, you have, um, you're choosing a doula that has, attended certain birth preparation classes and so they have sort of birth physiology knowledge and things like that so you're, you're getting a doula of a set standard is what I'm saying personalities still come for free but this, the standard is there um and doula, so and also you know if you if you do employ a doula through doula UK if for any reason you would have any issue with that doula like you feel that they haven't really fulfilled their contract or something like that then you can go to Doula UK to make a complaint and it gets investigated. So that's the benefits you have of using a doula that is registered with Doula UK. They have a postcode finder on their website and you literally just type in your postcode and it will bring up a list of doulas that service your area uh, with, with your own little biographies, you know, your, spiel, your, your sales spiel. Um, and you read through those and you think, well, yeah, she sounds all right or he sounds all right. Um, you know, whatever. And there's doulas for everybody. I, I'm a, I'm, I consider myself to be a completely inclusive doula. So I will doula for you regardless of sexual preference, colour, religion, you know, all those sorts of things. But there, there are doulas out there that don't. So, you know, that's another consideration to take on board. Um, some people will doula for um, ladies who are giving their babies up for adoption. So... Uh, you know, obviously it can be quite a sensitive issue after you've given birth and you're going to be handing that baby over. over. Um, Some uh, mothers of that child don't want to do the skin to skin afterwards because that's such an emotionally bonding, sensitive experience. But they do want that baby to receive skin to skin. And if the adoptive parents aren't able to be present to receive the baby and have that skin to skin themselves, then often the baby will go straight to the doula oh. and the doula will have that moment. Um, there are there are doulas that just aren't, can't emotionally cope with that sort of stuff. Um, so you really do need to do your research and find out what your own needs are and what you need from that doula. Oh, that, to be honest, I think we spend so much time whenever we're leading up to giving birth through pregnancy, doing so much research reading books on how to be a parent, how to be a mum, how to do this. I mean, all yeah. of that goes out of the window. All of the books that I read 
none yeah. of it related to real life. So to spend that time in more research and a doula, that'd be so much more beneficial. Yeah. It would have been for me. Yeah, absolutely. Because then you haven't got to worry about the rest of the no. stuff. Just, just find your find your person that's going to be there with you. So doula, you I mean, we've talked, sorry, interrupting, but okay. it's, this has just popped in my head. We've talked a lot about how a doula can support that person giving birth. Um, but we haven't talked about the dads so the partners whoever yeah. that may be, and the doula is equally there for that partner. Um, men have a bit of a hard time, don't they? Let's face it, yeah, they, they often do. feel a bit spare. They don't quite know what they're going to do to comfort their partner at that time. Um, and what a doula can actually, what a doula will actually do is bring that partner in um, and give them not advice. It's not really advice, but just kind of bring the couple together. Um, so that in a way the doula kind of just steps back and lets them be, lets them do their job. Because actually the best thing in terms of birth physiology, obviously you have your oxytocin and that's what starts the whole labour process and, and keeps the labour going. And if the oxytocin is nice and high, you know, you're going to have much more um, quicker, nicer birth. If you start to get anxious, then, then it will drop. Um, and keeping a partner and birthing person together keeps that oxytocin flowing so by a doula keeping those that love because it's the love hormone it's the oh, feel good you're like a keeping them together is the best thing you can do um and and a lot of time and it's so I won't take a client on without meeting the birth partner um because I'll, they need to be just as comfortable with me and know that I'm not there to elbow them out the way you know this is all about me I'm going to come in and control this birth actually what I want to do is get them together get partner feeling nice and comfortable supporting their birthing person and the doula just steps back and is more practically in the background making sure there's water food you know if I can see you know, when you end up in birth with your hair all sweaty all over your face and the partner doesn't quite think oh let's just brush oh, that yeah. out the way make make them feel more comfortable you step in and you do things like that so oh wow so you're like the labor cupid <laughs> oh, I might use that as my new slogan. <laughs> <laughs> the labor cupid. I think lots of us would sign up for that. <laughs> oh. So when you um uh, so after so people for doula UK, people can go there, they can search, look for doulas if that's something they're interested in. But yeah. talking about completely postnatal now, women can come yeah. to you even if you haven't been a doula as a personal trainer for your yeah. postnatal work with them. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's a package, but it's also very separate. So, you know, I can be there all the way through or you can just pick me for bits of your journey that you feel you need the support with. So um, postnatally, absolutely. I can come to you as a po just as a postnatal doula. A postnatal doula comes to your house and helps to support you. They'll do anything from their housework to some cooking to taking baby, let you have time by yourself, um, you know, all those sorts of things. Or you can hire me as your postnatal. Um, I don't really want to call myself a personal trainer, and I'm struggling actually with a with a type. Forgive myself for a for a postnatal health coach makes you feel a bit more like you're just gonna, you know, tell them what to eat. Yeah, <laughs> Be healthful and full of vitality. Personal trainer comes across like you're going to give them a good beasting and make them sweat and kill themselves. Yeah, um, during the exercise process, but actually postnatally my role is to help you heal so to me that's a mixture of soft tissue work 
So you're going to get a massage from me to make sure that all of these knots and aches and pains and adhesions are clear. And that's an ongoing process. So sessions with me always include some soft tissue work and then they move on to the movement because there's no point in trying to load a body that is imbalanced. So we have to fix the imbalances first. Um, So, yes, you can just pick me for that service. And between now and when lockdown finally goes away, I'll think of a think of a name for whatever that is. Put that all out to your listeners. What can I call myself? What am I? What am I? Don't want to be a personal trainer, and I don't want to be a health coach. I want. I need something in the middle. Something in the middle. I have to see whoever listens to this if they have any ideas to put them over on, uh, email them, or put them on the social yeah. media, something like that, to give any yeah. inspiration for that. Mm. I'm sure Great. there'll be lots of ideas. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's going to be loads flooding in to help it just sounds so amazing that you can be there for that whole journey and you know you can just be a support and to help women flourish as as mums which is all we really want to do isn't it yeah it's just about giving confidence that's it so what are your plans for the rest of this year obviously we have lockdown going on right now but did you have any plans in the works whenever this happened or you know um as, as yeah there, there's stuff boiling away in the background. Um, what, because of my work with the NHS, what I actually became aware of is is a lack of really good antenatal courses. Um, there are really good antenatal courses out there. The NCT obviously are are fab, and they've they've designed a great um, course. Um, but they they don't. They don't really cover everything that I feel should be included. So right now I'm writing an antenatal course um, that will be online for people to just buy and sit and work through of their own time. Wow. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to include exercise, which isn't something that um, antenatal courses generally do include. Um, and moving more into the pregnancy world, so pregnancy, health and fitness. And that will include nutrition all the way through to um, fitness, keeping yourself active during pregnancy. Brilliant. Which will have a knock-on effect to your labour. Yeah. Yeah. Because as well, is it true, as I thought whenever I was given birth, the stronger your abdominal muscles are going into pregnancy, through pregnancy, the more helpful and beneficial that is for giving birth? Yeah, I mean that that's the that's the that's a slight problem. Everybody t- sees the abdominal muscles the as the main driving force, and they're not. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not your abdominals that are pushing that baby out; it's your uterus. Yes, true. It's your uterus that is contracting and pushing that baby out. So, um, breath work and pelvic floor function are really the most important drivers. Having a strong core will help you um but it does it's not going to make any it's not going to really make any difference what is going to make it what is going to make a difference is cardiovascular fitness because if you think of it it's a marathon giving birth is a marathon yeah and those that haven't done any exercise and have sat on the sofa for nine months aren't going to be very fit so cardiovascularly when they enter this marathon they're not going to be able to keep up as well as those that would have done some CV work, 
cardiovascular work and got their heart and lungs ready, prepared for this journey. Mm. Yes, very true. I've never thought about it as a marathon. When you think yeah. it's it, it's a trauma to the body, isn't it? it um, yeah. I remember it being described to me as a trauma to the body and I never thought of it like that. I thought, well, I'm just giving birth and then I'll get on like normal and yeah. and actually you have to accept the fact that the body's been through so much. Yeah, you, you have to have... really be respectful of that and yeah. you have to give yourself time to heal. And, you know, in, ter- you know you, in terms of searching out a postnatal trainer, you've really got to do your research because there will be those who, like me, got my... So the YMCA are sort of one of the main bodies that people go to to get their personal training qualification, and they do all all sorts of different qualifications. But I got my pregnancy and postnatal qualification with them, and I thought I was set and ready to go. But that is not adequate. It really is not adequate. So you really have to do your research with who you are going to employ and whose classes you're going to attend. Because let's face it, not everybody's got the money to go and pay a personal trainer. Nope. So, you you know, you might just nip down to the gym and start joining in some classes. But does that instructor know that you're postnatal? Do they know how to adapt those exercises for you? And do they know that you may be suffering from pelvic floor issues? Do they know that you might have a separation? um and how to keep you safe in that class but not only to keep you safe they need to be healing you yes that's such a good point that you're making about healing you because yeah even for me now you're giving me a a thirst to Mm. want to be able to be the best I can be as a yoga instructor for women coming to me Mm. you know as part of their process after giving birth to coming back to their you know, strength and moving forwards, um, yeah. all of that that yoga gives them. You're giving me a, a thirst to to really educate myself more. So it's really, really important good. to really look at who you're going to postnatal and to make sure that they have the knowledge and the tools to help you to heal. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Because, you you know, you will end up doing yourself more damage or you'll be or you'll just be prolonging your current situation rather than getting over it yeah your plans sound so brilliant and what you've done this far is amazing to be helping make that change um for the continuous care in with the midwives that's a huge thing that I noticed when I gave birth that I saw so many different people that nobody Mm. really no one knew me you know you know the lady who helped me give birth that never met me before you know never seen her never saw her since yeah. Um, you know, you, you don't get that continuation throughout the process. So um, thank you for your work that you're doing along with others for that. Thank and you. for all of the, the work you do with women. Can we do this again another time and maybe pick certain subjects to talk about? I'm putting you on the spot yeah. now asking you if you do it again. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm more than happy to do it again. Because like I say, that's it's to me, it's about educating people and God, I can go so one subject leads into another, into another, into another. So it'd be great to spend some time focusing on one issue um, and, you know, giving some good information. Definitely. That would be brilliant. So we could focus and hone in on a, a certain subject that might be able to educate and give some tools to some women and some men. You know, men might yeah. just need to know how, you know, they might be able to be supportive of of their partner so to everybody 
some information to everybody on you know different subjects that would be so good if you if you wouldn't mind doing that again in the I don't in the mind future. I'd love that mm-hmm. so you now have the rest of your day with your children now to yeah. go with how's the weather looking out there it's looking well, a, it's, a bit cloudy it's a bit yeah it's a bit suspicious isn't it I was going to try and get them off the computer and go for a walk but my husband's baking a Victoria sponge. I'm just going to go and have a cup of tea and eat that. That's what oh, I'm going to do. <laughs> amazing. I think I'm going to make some scones now after you've said oh, that. So I'm going to have some cream. But is it jam and cream or cream and jam? Jam and cream. Oh, no. No, no. way. Oh, I don't know. You might be right now. I'm trying to picture how I eat a scone. Yeah, spread the jam on, dollop the cream. Yeah. And then yeah. All right. it's got to be warm. Of course. That goes without saying. I don't think anybody's cold. debating that. No. <laughs> So that's going to be my treat now this afternoon. You can enjoy your cake and a cup of tea. I'll have a scone and a cup of tea. Perfect. And we'll come back together again at some point in the yep. in the future. Lovely. And I'd I'd like that. Thanks, Tess. Thanks so much for you know just letting us delve into what you do, and you know it just sounds so brilliant. So I'll. Oh, that's another thing. How can people get in touch with you? What is your social media name? What how okay. can get hold of you? So I've got a website. It is just postnatalcoach.co.uk. Nice and simple. Um, nice and simple. I'm more of a Facebooky person. I, I'm a bit. I think I'm the other side of the generation gap for Instagram and um, what's the other one? I don't even know what the other one's called. The new one, TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am on Instagram, but I can't, couldn't even tell you what my name is on there. That's how much I use it. But Facebook, I'm very much on Facebook. Um, so just look me up. I think it's at doula PT at doula PT. Yeah. And they've got your website. I'll put that on the links on the Yogi Breakfast Club Instagram as well. And with along with this video in the description too, not the video, the podcast in the description too. So people know how to get hold of you. Brilliant. Thank you so much. No problem. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, I will. And I look forward to our next chat. Yeah, and I'll see you on Sunday on the mat. I'll see you Sunday on the mat. <laughs> Lovely. Bye. Take care. Have a great day. See Bye. Ya. So that's the end of episode two. Thank you for joining us today. And thank you to Nina for sitting down and having that lovely chat with me. I loved hearing all about the postnatal world and what it's like to be a doula supporting families through pregnancy. If you want to check out Nina's website, it is postnatalcoach.co.uk and hopefully again in the near future, we'll sit down and choose a topic to discuss and go a bit more in depth on that particular topic of the pregnancy or postnatal world. So I really look forward to doing that. Thank you so much, Nina. And another thank you to Fantai for sponsoring this series. Thank you so much guys over there. And the code to get 20% off the mats is TESS21. Have a little look. They've got some gorgeous colors and I have really enjoyed using my green one. And another thank you to Songs of Eden for allowing me to use your music in this podcast. I'm sure that everyone will agree that it's such a gorgeous sound. And you can also check out Songs of Eden's playlist on Spotify. Great for your yoga practice or some relaxation. So head over there and enjoy. 
So I will see you all again next Monday morning with another guest. Uh, for now, have an amazing week. Namaste.